Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wool on us. Painting and taking on all the plates and paint and troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get Uh, if you followed TechDirt for any length of time, uh, you'll know that over the last, uh, I'd say, two years or so, there's been an increasing, uh, if totally unsubstantiated, belief that the big social media companies are trying to censor conservatives. Uh, as we've detailed at great length, uh, there remains no actual evidence to support this claim. Uh, instead, what we've seen is really the standard everyday nature of content moderation in which millions of decisions need to be made every day. Uh, it's just that a small group of perhaps very vocal individuals individuals who claim to be conservatives have taken really standard content moderation decisions and uh, decided to play the victim over it, insisting that it must be that they specifically are being targeted for their political views. Uh, unfortunately, in certain circles, this belief has become such gospel that it is uh, shifted over from general whining about it uh, <laughs> to one in which a bunch of, I would say, sort of Somewhat silly people have insisted that there ought to be a law. Uh, as such, we've seen a number of states with Republican-controlled le legislatures and governors uh, push for laws that would somehow try to make it either against the law or just a lot more difficult for social media companies to do any moderation for what is deemed to be political speech. Uh, these bills are little more than a legislative attempt at being culture warriors, uh, and uh, trying to step in to use uh, government force to make private companies not moderate uh, or to moderate in a specific way. And doing so is frankly unconstitutional under the First Amendment. And even if it weren't unconstitutional, it would be preempted by federal law, specifically Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. But uh, even if neither of those things were true, uh, Putting a law like this in place wouldn't work, uh, and it would create a huge mess. Uh, Florida and its governor, Ron DeSantis, uh, has led the charge on these bills, uh, announcing earlier this year a plan to take on big tech with this particular approach. Uh, while other states have debated such bills, and Utah even passed one that the governor then wisely vetoed, Florida went all the way, signing the bill into law, uh, leading very quickly to a lawsuit that was filed by NetChoice and CCIA. And last week, on the eve of the bill uh, going into effect, a federal judge issued an injunction, noting that for many, many reasons, the bill was, in fact, unconstitutional. Uh, Florida le legislator uh, Anna Escamani has been a vocal critic of the bill from the beginning, uh, asking the sponsors of the bill for actual examples of what kinds of people uh, had been removed and for what content and not getting any actual answers. Uh, Escamani also was the first person to call out a last minute amendment that was added to the bill exempting companies who own theme parks. Uh, <laughs> and in uh, a somewhat incredible bit of questioning that We'll link to the video with, with this podcast. Uh, Eskamani challenged the bill sponsor to explain why theme parks should be exempted and got a bunch of, I would say, nonsense answers about how Disney Plus needed to edit its reviews. So today on the podcast, we are pleased to have Representative Eskamani uh, on to talk about this whole mess. So welcome to the podcast. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> sure. No problem. So uh, 
let's start with when when did you first find out about this bill uh, in the first place? Oh my gosh. I mean, let's just get it out there and point out the fact of how ridiculous this bill has always been, how ridiculous the outcry over removing President Trump uh, from social media platforms is. It's not about uh, uh, banning conservatism. It's about public safety, as we know, uh, President Trump helped to incite not just a riot, but an insurrection on the U.S. Capitol. So, <laughs> I mean, that was always, you know, the position that I think majority of Americans took. But of course, as you noted in your introduction, um, this decision by social media companies was exploited to feed into a larger narrative um, that is completely false. And also, I find it ironic because so many left-leaning folks are also banned from Facebook temporarily all the time. It's not an unusual occurrence in my world to see that happen to folks of any political persuasion. Uh, but to the heart of your question, you know, we saw this bill get rolled out very early during legislative session, which in Florida, it's a it's a yearly part-time legislature. So we convened, um, you know, back in March to, to basically the end of April. And so the governor made this a priority early on following the 2020 election cycle, um, very much as an homage to former President Trump, which we all know that they're they're super besties. And uh, when I first learned about it, you know, through a, through what was a press conference and, and also other extreme conservative vo- voices in the Florida Capitol. I mean, Laura Loomer came to Tallahassee before to kind of talk about, you know, the same types of deplatforming rhetoric. Uh, but to see it in real form, you know, on the House floor, it's almost like it's bizarre world. Like you think you only see this stuff on the <laughs> Internet and then you see it on the House floor. And it's a major like reality check to just how nonsensical um, a lot of my colleagues have become with the policies that they prioritize. Um, and I, I, I think it's a really good point that you raised um, about the fact that, you know, left leaning people get, you know, end up being you know, having content taken down or being suspended permanently, temporarily. There are all these stories and, and it's, you know, many of them are, you know, have nothing to do with, with the political speech at, at hand. They're often, you know, very, as, as we discuss on the podcast all the time and on the site, like there are all sorts of really difficult questions and you have, you know, overworked, you know, uh, underpaid moderators around the world who are, right. who are asked to look over this stuff all the time, you know, I, I don't want you to speak for your your you know Republican colleagues, but like, do you do you think they actually believe this? Do you, do you think they believe that they're being targeted? Right, right. So it's it's an, it's an interesting question. I remember over a year ago reading this super in depth um, reporting about about child abuse and also um, uh, the sexual exploitation of children through social media, specifically mm-hmm. Facebook Messenger, you know, becoming a platform for where folks were sharing these type of images and just the need for action by Congress and the engagement of companies to stop this from happening, right? So to be clear, there are some serious problems when it comes to how social media is used to commit some really heinous acts, right? Which we're not mm-hmm. doing a good job in, in managing and restricting and holding folks accountable. Um, but it is such a distraction from these actual legitimate problems to pursue this culture war where, where the, the uh, conservatives accuse these social media companies of censoring them. Reality check, you know, during this debate, I actually went online to, to Facebook's advertising platforms because 
thanks to transparency efforts the people of this country have demanded, companies like Facebook will post more details on how much money people spend on political advertisements. And I, I have that transparency as someone who uses social media to advertise on my past campaigns. And so I went to the Republican Party of Florida to see how much money they spent with social media. And they spent a ton of money, not just on Facebook, but Google as well. So there's just so much irony here because they keep screaming about censorship and yet all of Trump's companies, you know, political companies would 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 advertise on these platforms. And so did the Republican Party of Florida. So did almost every candidate that ran for office in 2020. So uh, I, I mean, I do think that I think there's always going to be some people who believe this, that who legitimately think that they're being censored and that um, there's these conspiracy theories that have you know taken root in fact. But more than likely, it's people who see the, the culture war opportunity and, you know, want to look like warriors. And, and this is a really important fact that transcends multiple issues. You know, I, this was a really bad legislative session in Florida in the sense that every culture war you can think of was on the House floor. So there was a bill to ban trans kids from playing sports, a bill to restrict access to protesting, a bill to uh, make it harder to vote under the disguise of fraudulent elections, which never happened. And and all those are all those are examples of fake, fake problems that the Republican Party made into the perception of a real problem. And then they solved the problem. And I, I'm using air quotes for those listening. They <laughs> solved this problem because it wasn't a real problem. But now they look like heroes to a conservative base because um, they slayed, you know, this boogeyman type of enemy. And so I, I do think that more so than not, the Republican Party of Florida in particular, with President, former President Trump calling Florida home now, is very much motivated by the optics of solving problems and the legitimate effort of solving problems. And it's a lot harder to solve real problems than to create fake ones and solve them through your own, you know, <laughs> political propaganda machine. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when, when the bill, um, you know, was introduced, um, I know that you asked questions to, to the sponsor about, you know, who, who was targeted by it and, and, and what content, uh, was taken down. And, you know, at, at least from what I could tell, you didn't really get answers. You just got, well, you know, my constituents are coming to me and telling me about it. What, what, right. Was there anything more to, to what was said? <laughs> I mean, that's what's so frustrating is that, you know, you moments on the House floor are, first of all, I did not see this bill in any of my committees, um, which honestly is sometimes done on purpose. Like they put strong Democrats in committees that don't always see the most controversial bills. Um, mm. And that's been the story since my beginnings in the Florida House. I was elected in 2018 as a first time candidate, and I was given the driest of committees because I would love to see this type of bill on my committee where I could actually spend more time. Um, then on the House floor where you have different limitations. But uh, uh, the, chair, the, the chairman or representative that filed this bill, he used to be chairman of the Republican Party of Florida. This is a political mm. guy. Like he, he is very much um, you know, embedded into party politics. And so I was not surprised to see him sponsor this bill. He also sponsored the voter suppression bill. So again, like another example of a culture war. And, and I was not expecting any real answers. But um, you ask those questions because you're trying to get to the point of what this bill is actually about. And kudos to my constituents who emailed me multiple times about how ridiculous this bill was that I was able to actually lift up some of their points in my closing remarks on the bill as, as I voted down on it. But I mean, if folks could just see 
the eye rolling that I was doing. I mean, the number of Republicans <laughs> that stood up to say this was about freedom and things like that. I mean, it's just such a joke, you know, and and again, it's so politically motivated because the second the governor signs this bill, he's on Fox News, he's on OAN, Newsmax, same thing for my colleagues. And so it's just about getting airtime for non-problems that feed into a conservative base that is really being misled and exploited to think that this is a legitimate concern. And and so there was a lot I was hoping to get out of that process. But, you know, again, they, they pick sponsors that are not going to answer your questions because they don't want to. <laughs> they really don't want to. Right. And, and and so along the same lines, I mean, I think, you know, this bill got even more attention um, than it would have otherwise, in part because of the theme park exemption, uh, which which just became a headline topic as, as soon as that that came about. Um, and I know that that bill was that, that amendment was added at the last minute right. to the bill. Um, and, and again, like you, you stood up on the floor and, and spoke about it. What what was that process? like? <laughs> yeah, let's paint the picture for for our listeners. So. You know, this bill passed the, the House School and Senate floor um, probably, I think, at least a week before session was over. So Florida has a 60-day a legislative session. Um, the last days of session, there are no new bills except amendments that get attached to current bills. And it's getting passed between both chambers. So you really have to keep your eyes on those amendments because that's when last-minute issues are snuck in. Candidly, I'm always looking out for like corporate giveaways or things that corporations are sneaking in last minute. That is very common in the last days of session where a corporation is looking for a tax break. They're going to attach it to some, uh, you know, Medane bill and I think no one's going to see it. So I'm always watching the amendments report before that bill comes back. But candidly, we only have about 10 minutes to do that. It's moving so fast. And that's done on purpose because they don't want the public to know. They don't want reporters to catch it. And they don't want lawmakers to see it. So when I saw this amendment report come back associated with the deplatforming bill, that we'd already passed this bill. So I thought that fight was over. You know, we passed the bill, like, next fight ahead of us. I was laughing hysterically when I saw this amendment <laughs> come before us that would, strangely enough, create a carve-out for any company that owned a theme park. And to be clear, I represent a district in Central Florida. The theme parks are maybe about 40 minutes out from where I serve. My dad worked at Disney part-time. My family's working class. Almost every Orlandonian has some connection to working at the theme parks. Um, and I'm someone who doesn't take money from the theme parks. I don't take money from a lot of corporations because I think it's important to operate you know, free of that influence. And so I think I was more taken back by by you know, the, the influence of corporations to get that amendment in. But then I was also just outraged by this, this like, <laughs> what is essentially an ideology of convenience uh, being, being practiced by the right? Because they talk this big game on going after big tech and going after the swamp. And the second Walt Disney World says, whoa, 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 your culture war interferes with my business plan. They, they jump in a second and they change the entire agenda. And so seeing this amendment get introduced, if you watch the, the actual presentation, it was so funny because the representative who, who is the sponsor spoke in such a, a monotone, acted like this was no big deal, non-controversial. And you could tell he wanted to just get this in without any questions. And I was so ready with my, my hand on my microphone. 
um, to just start berating him because again, it was such a joke. It made a bad bill even even funnier. And then one of my colleagues, Representative Andrew Lord, asked the question. So, if any one of these social media companies buys a theme park, are they now exempt from your bill? And the answer was yes. I mean, it was shocking. Like you basically <laughs> just gave a major carve out for companies to avoid your agenda completely. And it just, again, it, it just, I was so comical to me. I like couldn't even contain myself because it was just one of those examples of this is what happens when, a, when you take culture wars and you try to make that into policy. Like you're going to have serious consequences that, that are going to not only poke holes in your agenda, but demonstrate how this is a bad idea. It's just not good policy. Yeah. I mean, what, what amazed me was, you know, when you asked those questions, how he, he I mean, he was very upfront about like, we're, we're basically trying to protect Disney uh, and, and, and even saying like, you know, specifically like Disney plus and like reviews on Disney plus, which I don't, I'm not even sure if Disney plus does reviews and, and the whole thing just, you know, just the fact that he would say that it was, you know, to protect Disney, and that right. th this was like the simplest way to 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 protect Disney, was I mean, kudos for being honest, I guess, as opposed to coming up with some convoluted other explanation for it. Right. But it it really just demonstrated how how odd the whole bill process was. Um, and and you know, as as I said, like I think that that Disney carve out got even more attention for the bill. Um, was that your impression too? Like this backfired in a, in a big way. Yes. No, I agree. I agree because it, it distracted from their narrative, right? Because their right. narrative was going after big tech companies. Now it was, oh, unless you're Disney, like you're chill. <laughs> and so it, again, it, it really just pointed to how outrageous this idea was and how weak the Republican Party is in in making exemptions in their own culture war to really meet the needs of their donors. Like, let's be clear, Walt Disney World, Walt Disney Company is a major political donor to Democrats and Republicans. But in Florida, they give a lot of money to Republicans. So it wasn't like there was this love for Disney movies, right? It was really that <laughs> Disney was like, hey, this is going to cost us money if you don't exempt us. And that's money that we would like to give to you in political contributions. <laughs> that's basically what it comes down to, is Disney negotiating their own political power but the majority party just saying, okay, and, and you know, again, do you even have values? If if you're so quick to adjust what seems like a passionate issue for you, then is that even a real reflection of how much you care about this topic when you're yeah. when you're so quick to change it to meet the agenda of a political corporate donor? I mean, it's it's just sick. It's really sick because again, it it's a disservice to the people of Florida. It was already a bad bill and and you 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 caved in to, to one corporate donor that derailed your entire agenda. And of course the judge noticed this when it went to court. Yeah. I mean, it was very clear that you are handpicking select companies that you want to go after uh, because they pissed off president Trump. And that's not what government is supposed to do. Like unless those companies broke the law, right. And did something corrupt and exploitative, that's different, but you're literally trying to create policy to punish them for something that already happened that's not supposed to be the role of government, right? Unless, yeah. unless people died, that's, you know, like then your responsibility for public <laughs> safety, but you're basically trying to protect someone that incited an insurrection. That's not, well, that should not be the role of government. Government should be trying to yeah. protect institutions and make them better, not 
support those who try to destroy our foundational institution of democracy. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I would at least go even a little further than that, which is that, you know, the, the, the bill was clearly not about protecting anything. Right. I mean, the bill was just about punishment. Right. right? So, you know, there's there's right. different things right. you can do. You can you can set up policies to say, like, you know, this is the way things should work. And for, for, for good public policy reasons, or you can come up with a bill that's just like, you know, we're mad at you and, and we're going to we're going to you know cause you trouble. And it, it very much feels like this and, and a bunch of these other bills are, were, you know, was the latter uh, rather than the former there's no well there's said no, no clear well said <laughs> no clear public policy reason so in, in terms right. of the 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 court case right so that decision you know it, it went quick because the bill was supposed to go into effect on july 1st um and you know which would have been a, a mess of, of epic proportions and so um you know uh, net choice and ccia uh, filed the, the lawsuit in federal court um and then there was a hearing last monday i think it was some the days are all blending together <laughs> and uh it didn't go well i listened to the to the the hearing <laughs> Uh, and was tweeting about it, which is how we connected in the first place. Yeah, um, yep. and, and the judge was clearly very skeptical of, of Florida. And at one point even asked the, the lawyer who was representing Florida, have you ever seen a, a more poorly drafted bill? <laughs> which oh my gosh. Is not, it was so is not, extra. Not a good sign <laughs> for, for how, how you're doing in court. Uh, and then uh, on Wednesday evening, right before the bill was set to go into effect, um, issued a, a preliminary injunction, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, kills the bill. Um, I, I haven't seen anything, but I assume that, that the, the state of Florida is going to appeal. Do you, have, do, have you heard anything on that? I haven't heard anything, but I, I, I would assume so. I mean, especially if Governor DeSantis is just trying to appease former President Trump, that there would be right. an appeal uh, to you know continue wasting public taxpayer dollars on uh, unnecessary and unconstitutional bills. Um, <laughs> and, and something I just want to add, like, I think we I think there is space, as as listeners know, for a legitimate conversation about the power of social media companies and the sure. influence of big tech, 100 percent. But there are so many legitimate ways to do that, right? And as this bill was progressing forward, there was another bill that was focused on data privacy that was inspired by the efforts led by the people of California to implement something similar of privacy data protections in Florida. And this was a bill that the, the, the all the corporations, not even just tech, right, but corporations that that take and sell your data, like insurance companies and and other other communication companies were adamantly opposed to 100 percent that bill passed the house floor it would not come out of the senate and and and, and this was something that the corporation celebrated at the end of session they celebrated the defeat of this bill and so there was another example of a legitimate good policy that you could have passed and you didn't because your donors told you not to but you passed this one instead and then at the same time i'm a big person about i do a lot of policy work in taxation. I serve as the ranking member of Ways and Means. So tax policy is one of my biggest issues. And the number of corporations who avoid paying their fair share, I mean, the world is learning more about how Americans <laughs> can do that, like like President Trump. But it happens in Florida, especially with corporations who will hide their revenue from the state and other states. And I made this point to my Republican colleagues time and time again, if you truly want to go after and hold these companies to some degree of accountability, make sure they pay their taxes. That that alone, not only will they hate you for it, but we'll be able to get revenue to actually pay for the needs of everyday people. 
But again, that's not what this is about. This isn't about good policy. It's not about accountability or even fairness. It's literally about a political agenda um, uh, to get a couple of more retweets on the internet and to get some headlines on Newsmax. That's all this is about. And it's a shame because I would like to think the people of Florida don't pay taxes for it to be wasted like this, right? But that has become the MO of the legislative process in our state. And and, I mean... This is a point that that we've raised and other people have raised it as well. And you just mentioned it also is that, you know, this this bill, as unconstitutional as it is, is is costing Florida taxpayers money because they they have to defend it in court. And and that is it's a costly process. Um, But do do, I, I sometimes wonder, though, if that argument actually do do people care? Do constituents care right. about that? I mean, in theory, you know, of course, they're always saying, you know, well, we don't want to waste taxpayer money and blah, blah, blah. But but when it comes down to it, like the 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 sort of culture war aspect of it seems more important to them than the fact that that taxpayer money is being wasted. Do you have any sense on that? I, I, I agree with you. I think it depends on who you talk to, right? If you mm-hmm. talk to, you know, of first of all, any voter who has a perspective on this has probably already picked a side. Right. Right. I think what I'm most curious about are the Floridians who have no idea this is happening. Right. And I think if you talk to Floridians that are just working class people who are trying to put food on the table and pay the bills on time, if you talk to those Floridians and and opportunities given to us to say, like, yeah, you know, this bill, this bill passed. What do you think about it? I feel like if given all the facts, they would agree that this is a waste of time. Um, at the same, at that same stroke though, it depends on what media that, that person is taking in. And I mean, candidly, I was at an event in my district, um, for the 4th of July holiday and ran into a woman that does not live in my district. She lives in another County next door, but we've helped her with her unemployment benefits. And my office has been championing unemployment benefits. Talk about a broken, uh, website, by the way, like, I wish they would hold the the unemployment website to the same standards as <laughs> Facebook and Twitter. My God, like, like, please put your forces on connect, not not this. <laughs> but but anyways, you know, she was thanking us because we helped her get her benefits. But she kept referencing this, referring to me as providing stability. Like she thanked mm. me for being stable. I mean, she made a comment about how she feels like both sides are very extreme and she sees me and, and she considers me to be stable. And it's, and I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty left-leaning Democrat. Like I'm pretty vocal on a lot of issues, um, you know, that folks would often label as progressive. Um, but at the same time, like I'm very, I'm very like problem solver, practical common sense. And I don't like scare people. Like I don't, you know, run towards <laughs> a corner just to get attention, which is what the Republicans are doing right now in Florida. But it really stuck with me because I think that for many just Floridians, perhaps many Americans, that's how they feel. You know, I think they feel that both sides are not relatable. Both sides are kind of picking fights that don't reflect their everyday realities because she just cared about getting her benefits. Like she just, she needed a way to pay her bills on time. So at the end of the day, I think I think it's it's almost exploited it when we continue running towards these culture wars versus like the actually everyday battles people are facing in their day to day lives, which is why I try really hard to you know I'll swing my punches on the culture wars because you have to offer the response to this trash agenda, but I also try not to get too into it because I have real legitimate problems I have to solve, and I think to some degree 
they, as Democrats, we have we find ourselves in this constant place of defense in Florida, which doesn't let us advance any type of proactive vision. So I'm constantly battling both, right? I'm like, I have to be a ninja to these culture wars, and I also have to be like pushing forward on getting benefits to people. Because if not, why would you even support Democrats when all we do are are fighting back against the majority party? So it's a it's a it's a it's a tough fight for us because we're we're we have to do both well all the time, and it's hard to do yeah. that. You know, this vote count <laughs> was 77 yays, the 38 nos in the House, and and to be clear, that means that some Democrats actually voted for this bill. And so, really? oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have about we have like 40 something Democrats in the Florida House. And there are okay. there's always two to three that vote with the conservatives because it, it gets them budget projects and things like that. And it gets them huh. baseline with the governor. So we even struggled to hold like our own caucus together because we lose folks to wow. the, the road that's more traveled. Right. Which is to kind of like go along and get along versus challenge uh challenge the sasco agenda so so yeah it's not it's not easy being the minority party (laughs) but it is necessary and worth it and uh, i'm really proud to do it but it it just you know it speaks to the the type of fights we have to have over bills that are not even going to be be implemented because of litigation right right that's fascinating i mean it's this, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is happening at all different stages of government, you know, uh, across the country, and it's it, it has been really frustrating how much, you know, uh, the 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 sort of legislative aspect of of everything has become, you know, culture war focused as opposed to actual problem solving focused. It's it's, right. it's, it's it's a major frustration, but it's it's interesting to hear, you know, how how it plays out, um, you know, specifically in Florida. Well, and the irony too, just speaking of Florida, is you know the the age breakdown of lawmakers like tends to be older, right? I, I think mm-hmm. the Florida legislature, especially the Florida House, is getting younger. I mean, there's more, even on the Republican side, there the, the this newest class of freshman Republicans was a, a diversity of age. There's definitely folks who are probably more familiar with social media in general, but candidly, there's a lot of folks who voted for this bill who don't know how to use. Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And so it's like, you also have lawmakers that are voting on policies that they don't even know what it, what it is or what it does. Right. right? And, and so that's super ironic too, because now they're literally just voting, you know, for the agenda. They don't even understand what the ramifications really are. Right. So in, in terms of this bill, I mean, do, do you have any sense of like what happens next? I mean, beyond just appealing, is, is there is there like a, you know, what's the process? <laughs> I mean, so I assume it will be it will be appealed, but we'll see, you know, what the state of Florida does. But I think that would be the next natural expected step that this administration would take, because um, it's so ironic whenever a judge doesn't rule in favor of the administration, they refer to it as activist judges, but the judges right. that they appoint are not activist judges. So again, it's just super frustrating. Um, so I, I would assume that appeal would take place. And, you know, the D- DCAs um, have been stacked with conservative judges. So we'll see what happens mm-hmm. in Florida. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, the, the culture war doesn't go away. And I think that's important for us to remember is that even when policy, you know, is, is, is litigated and, 
policy is knocked off, it doesn't mean that the culture war goes away. I mean, if anything, right. it could even add more ammunition to those who want these type of right. bills. And so we have to continue to be vigilant in, in, in you know, pushing back against the myths, leading with fact. Um, and again, have the conversations about about antitrust laws and pursue those. I mean, I don't even know if Florida's joined any of the lawsuits, which I mean, we should if we really are serious about antitrust, right? Like in issues, then Florida should be a part of any other state effort to to hold these companies accountable to their monopolies. Um, and and I'm going to continue lifting up those those economic points, right, about these systems as a whole. Mm -hmm. But um, meanwhile, I don't see these culture wars going away at all. I think they're just going to get worse. Right. And, um, and and we have to be very proactive in not getting trapped in the culture war. We have to we have to provide the commentary because I don't want my constituents to also fall into those traps. But at the same time, I, I personally cannot allow it to pull me away from the legitimate problems we're trying to solve. So again, it's going to be that constant effort of, of, of pushback responding but also pushing forward towards actual problem solving so we don't we don't lose every person in these culture battles yeah yeah no that, that makes sense i mean it's, it has been interesting to see how supporters of the bill have responded i mean i've heard all sorts of things from like that it was there was judge shopping which like there, there wasn't yeah. judge shopping yeah. <laughs> it's like that's just how they'll it come happened up with anything yeah they'll come up with anything it's so it's sad and i think what's even more frustrating about it is you know, for a lot of folks that agree with them, um, they don't, they, they either they don't have the, the know-how to research the point to, right. you know, verify or not verify what that elected official is saying, or they really don't care. Right. And right. they just, it's just, they, they just listen in and take what they say as fact, um, which speaks, you know, larger conversation to just our educational systems and like what we're teaching people in school, because I do think that um, there's so much, uh, need and just basic civics education, which by the way, was a bill the governor vetoed in Florida <laughs> was a civics bill. And I wonder why, right? right? Because if you eliminate critical thinking, then you are creating a, a population of folks that take what they hear from Fox news as truth versus actually questioning it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, the other thing that I've seen is that uh, apparently the uh, th there was a similar bill in Texas um, that also, you know, they have a, a, you know, their legislative session is over, but apparently they're like coming back to try and bring that, that bill back after, after oh, seeing what no. happened to the Florida bill. <laughs> it's just oh, like... no. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I mean, th these are the moments where I wouldn't even roll out like I mean, I could see our governor do a special session just to like deal with this issue and like right. make it seem really important, even though it's not. I mean, that's a, that's what's so frustrating is you, you more and more you see politicians use the bully pulpit for a political agenda versus like actual good policy, and and you know, and it just sucks because you're you're you 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 really are misleading the general public and you're right. spreading disinformation. Um, for your own personal gain, because at the end of the day, nobody else benefits from this except the politicians who are leading it. And yeah. that's that's super selfish, because I like to think that as Americans, we have we have a lot in common and we have so much good work to accomplish together. But if we're constantly pointing fingers at each other and pointing fingers at um, these fake boogeyman enemies then it's just a way to not only distract, but it ignores everyday problems. So folks who are poor stay poor. 
Um, and nothing's actually done to disrupt you know, the systematic problems we face because you're going after windmills instead, which is probably the goal. You know, they don't, it's, it's much more expensive and difficult to solve real problems than to create fake problems and go after them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a depressing statement on the, on the state of the world, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately it's, it's an accurate one. Um, but you know, Hey, uh, kudos to, to you for fighting the good fight. <laughs> uh, Thank and, you. And, and trying, trying to actually accomplish good and important stuff and, and push back on the, the sort of dumb culture warrioring. Um, I, I appreciate that. And, and I appreciate you taking the time today to, to talk to us. Uh, and uh, keep up the good work. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with this issue and many, many more. Thank you again for having yes. me. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, everyone, for listening as well. And we'll be back next week. Uh, to grab a shovel and think of the tech. Uh, if we don't stand up to them, someone will get.